This is MPN. All right, as promised, here's our here's our postscript to the uh, 2015 top 10 list. All right, Ryan. Clayton, what do you uh, want to talk about? Well, I I did notice that out of all the uh, the great films in our list, we didn't really talk about the Revenant and the Hateful Eight, and right. I I for good I, reason. I, I, I say that because I don't think they're great, and I want to know what you feel about them because they are both essentially Christmas films. They're released right around the holiday season, and one of them is in a lot of serious Oscar contention, and one of them isn't. The Revenant has a lot of people singing its praises right now, and Hateful Eight kind of doesn't, really. No. <laughs> um, but no. they're both really long. They're both kind of brutal in their own ways. Mm-hmm. And what did you think about? Let's let's start off with The Revenant. The Revenant is... My main issue with it is that it's a great two-hour movie stuffed inside of a two-hour and 40-minute movie. Oh, see, I don't even like it that much. I, I, I think it's it looks beautiful. I think that's what it has going for it. I think yes. it, it's very visually stunning. Um, Tom Hardy is great. I think Leo is good in it. I think that he's really going for it. I think the last shot he of the is, movie yeah. is like, what the fuck, man? Let's go. Like, come on, people. You see what I did here? <laughs> this last shot where he breaks the fourth wall? It's almost like he's talking to you saying like... That's the thing is I... I you know, I this movie is essentially... I mean, it's it's a really it's a it's almost a B movie that was given the ultimate royal A treatment, right? It's a its plot is simple as hell. You could write it on a on a post it note, yeah. right? Guy avenges slain son, like mm-hmm. that's that's what this movie is, mm-hmm. and that's what it is on paper. But when you experience it, it's two and a half hours of suffering. Yeah, <laughs> and the question then becomes in my mind is: Does the movie earn that? Is does it give us enough? that two and a half hours of suffering is worth it in the end. Yeah, I'm not and, sure about that. And, I, I, and my answer is no. Yeah, a resounding <laughs> I, no. I don't think it is. Like... I mean, Inyaratu tries to like pepper in these little you know, moments of optimism throughout the film. They're very sparse and fleeting. And there's like the one example where the, the kid who kind of left with Tom Hardy after they left Leo to die, mm-hmm. he, you know, he sees this, this uh, Native American woman and like offers her a piece of food and it's a really quick scene and even that that felt to me like in Yaratu addressing what he knew was going to be a criticism of his film. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> and, oh, the Native Americans, you know, they're white, the the white guy. It doesn't even register. And I honestly, as beautiful as this movie is and as technically accomplished as it is, I think it's kind of boring. In yeah. a, I mean, there's not really a lot happening in it. No, and and there's a sense of almost like you really want the suffering to just end and you're like, just die. I kind of hoped he would just die. Yeah. I mean, cause you can only see him get mauled by a bear. Yeah. Cauterize his own neck wound, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it just, at some point the, the seriousness, seriousness of all of it just kind of becomes just su- suffoc- suffocating. <laughs> yeah. And cause you, as an audience, we need, we need to, to know more, you know, we need to learn something else at some point. Or else it kind of just gets funny, actually, because mm-hmm. I mean the scene where uh, they, you know, the final confrontation, finally that the whole movie is is gearing towards. It's just it's more of this. I mean, it's it's the exact same note that's been hit for the last two and a half hours, and it, it got a little funny in my mind. <laughs> it's just like like this again. It's like this. I guess here we are again. That's how it's going to yeah. end too. Yeah. <laughs> I just I needed something else I think in this movie. The story that they don't even tell about this guy, like this guy has had an amazing right. life. 
Yeah. This isn't even like 1% of the <laughs> amazing feats that this guy accomplished. Yeah. And this story, this kind of like, this is the kind of the story they're choosing to make about this, this guy. Like he's a, an amazing frontiersman and he's like, all right, this is the one. It doesn't seem, it seems a little weird. I remember leaving and we were talking, I was re- rehashing it and we we're talking to a friend of ours that saw it and her base, her thing was sort of like, it kind of just got, you get tired of it. Like you get tired it, of it him getting kicked you. in the yeah. face. You're just like, just, uh, uh, you, again? You need something else. You know, yeah. as, as an audience, we deserve more to happen than this kind of, than him, than, than, than in Yara two on his, on his movie piano, just playing mm-hmm. doom, doom, doom. Yeah. The same, the same things over and over again. Over yeah. and over again. Yeah. And, but he'll get, but he'll win. I think Leo, I think, Fastbender is a dark horse, but I think Leo's probably. I think that it's it's a it's not a weak year by any means, but it's no. an average year at least. Yeah. It's a mediocre year in terms of great performances, and this could be the one where he where he slips in. And I I'm fine with it. I mean, yeah, he's I'm fine like, with he's, it too. He's obviously overdue. Um, again, it's kind of the Marty Scorsese thing where yeah. this is like his honorable Oscar. Yeah. It's not for this movie. It's for The Wolf of Wall Street. It's, it's, for, it's for not it's even getting nominated for, for Django. It's for and, Gilbert Grape. Yeah. It's for Django Unchained. Yeah. It's for something else other right. than this film. Yeah, and, and I think that it just, while the, the visuals were very striking, it just it didn't have enough meat like we talked about. It just yeah. didn't quite have enough there. To but he chewed on a piece it. of Rob Bison. Well, how could it not have enough meat? <laughs> I didn't even notice. <laughs> that was apparently real bison meat too. Was it really? Yeah, because they the this, the originally the production design or the, the you know the set decorator had mm-hmm. made this 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 you know this this uh, look alike that was yeah. composed of basically jelly mm-hmm. and was like here you're gonna eat this and DiCaprio was like you know I'm a method actor. Oh. I want a real piece of goddamn bison shit. He didn't say that, but yeah. that, that's I was my, say, wow, my, Leo's in my that, living my, room. That's my interpretation. <laughs> and so they checked it out with the right channels, made sure it wasn't violating any international rules, mm-hmm. and had some real bison meat shipped there. And wow. his reaction to eating it is <sighs> genuine. Because exactly as someone same. who is not used to eating that, that's exactly what would happen. <laughs> yeah, un- uncooked, too. My goodness, bison sushi. Yeah. <laughs> Frontier Bison Sushi. Yeah. Um, yummy. So for The Hateful Eight, right. I think my main takeaway from it is that it is that Tarantino and his films, he's created such a high bar for himself that he can't, that, that, that he can make a film that's quote unquote lesser Tarantino, which is maybe potentially better than like 80% of other movies. Yeah. But in a vacuum, it's great. But in, in comparison to coming off of Django Unchained and Inglorious Bastards, Inglorious Bastards is my favorite Tarantino movie. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be a tough bar to reach already right yeah. then and there. Right. And Django is right up there, too. Um, just these very enjoyable, fun stories. There wasn't as much to latch on to no there really wasn't with those characters. I mean, there's a lot of characters and they're all well written. But they just don't grab you as well as and then, and then, and Aldo Rain or Django or and then or, you, and then you get yeah. the obvious rebuke. Oh, it's the hateful eight. Of course, mm-hmm. they're not going to be relatable. No. And it's, it's like okay, I you know I, I I buy that to a point. But then, as an audience, we need something else, some other some some other thing to click mm-hmm. that that makes you know this not just watching a bunch of sadists for three yeah. hours because 
That's how I felt about watching The Wolf of Wall Street, actually. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Another movie I, I, I don't really like. Um, maybe that one a little stronger than Hateful Eight, but uh, it just there was something fundamentally lacking from this, yeah. and I can't quite put my finger on what it is. Did you see The Roadshow? Yeah. Okay, so you, you saw the overture and the intermission and all that stuff. Saw the program. Um, I think that he has such a way of making these long films not feel long. I didn't find myself wondering where you know this is this this is really dragging on and the first half i will give you the first the first half flew by for me i mm-hmm. think i should like the first half more even though it's a little yeah. more te- tedious in some ways but mm-hmm. i still had you know, i still felt the potential of what this movie could be mm-hmm. and it ends on such an audacious <laughs> note yeah, it is note weird and, and, and he, he, he's it, definitely saying something a lot about post-civil war tensions between politics blacks yeah. and white, politics and all that stuff yeah, yeah. um but I think that I, I the music's incredible. First of all, it's the best, the best score of the year. I have already I already own it, and it's uh, it's 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 a horse of a different color. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's something out of completely out of the past. And it's the first time he's actually used a score in his movie yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Most of the time he just kind of you know he patches he, together. It's, it's his pastiche of yeah. all his influences, but this is like an actual. Just he has a soundtrack the way he yeah. makes his films, really in that yeah. sense. So yeah, um, but so. Any other year, I mean, or in any other movie, if this were made by another filmmaker, you'd kind of be like, "Wow, this is this is pretty audacious for you know Rob Cohen." Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but like for Quentin Tarantino, it's kind of like, well, it's kind of middle of the pack. Like the first half is kind of like Reservoir Dogs, and the second half is kind of like Django. It's like there's. But where do you place it in his in his list? Um, gosh, do I have to even make a? I don't even know I, if I can make a quick list. Is it your least favorite? It's my least favorite. Okay. I, I rewatched. I'm, I'm not counting his little segment of Four Rooms, which is kind of its own. Yeah, no, it's different yeah. thing. But I rewatched Death Proof like two days ago, just because that, that movie's good. Just because that was kind of. I mean, again, it's it's a tough list, right? Yeah, yeah. And the and the bottom Tarantino film is the greater ninety percent of filmmakers. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I did have Death Proof at the bottom before, even though. As I just come to find out again after watching, I really like Death Proof. Yes, and I didn't at the time. I didn't. I, I thought it was the weaker movie. It was in, also in truncated because it was the the it was the, a sh- it was yeah, a three hour. The, when it came out later, it was expanded. And yeah, you got more of the great stuff. But, yeah, yeah, but it's 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 my least favorite. Like I I couldn't I I I won't argue with that. I won't argue with that because when you talk about the greatness of the other movies, it's like where else can you put it if you're not really on yeah. board with it? No, I mean it's definitely it's not nearly as good as Reservoir Dogs, not really nearly as good as Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, you, yeah, you can't Jackie Brown. I mean, you can't. Yeah, and that's Kill, the thing. Kill, but Kill Bill it, Volume One is my favorite Tarantino film, mm-hmm. and it, it's hard to explain why. It just casts a spell on me that I that I love. Um, and every and it's like it's all the way down to Death Proof. It's not a steep drop off. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's going from like a hundred percent to eighty five percent. Yeah, and maybe this is like seventy seven percent or something. <laughs> like it's not even. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's it's. No, you're yeah, right, but but that's the thing. It sounds like it's a dig, mm-hmm. almost like oh, Tarantino made his worst movie, but right. it's like. No, it's still quality. You can still see it. That you can it's, still the guy knows the, how to spin a yarn, man. The seventy millimeter was an interesting weird thing yeah. because I'm not I, sure if mine was projected properly like, that's have... the thing is that I, I thought the same exact thing because mm. Be- it looked a little blurry some of it it was weird me. yeah like... I mean and, and the, the 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 fact that it didn't fit in the screen that it was presented in made mm. it weird so there was like a black bar at the bottom third that kind of was a little bit distracting but mm-hmm. um, I really enjoyed the um, the look of it and that he can he uses this giant scope 
to film such small intimate scenes. Well, that's kind of the brilliant yeahness of it. Is yeah, he you know you think that oh it's going to be these grand exteriors mm-hmm. and it's like a cabin. Is yeah, or like inside the, the stagecoach or something like that. Like there's yeah. a spe- specifically a shot where you can see inside the stagecoach and all the all the characters are all sitting there and you can see everybody clearly nobody's like off frame or half in frame it's like everybody's there and he takes these he takes these small settings and blows them up to these giant same as inside the cabin because there's always people in the background that you get a great shot of mm-hmm. and who knows what they're doing might be important yeah as we come to find is that the characters do things in the background that maybe we can't see and he lets us look at everybody simultaneously even when they're not the focus of the screen you know, so it's it's that was I think a brilliant touch on his part to really throw us all off balance and use something meant for something so grand or something mm-hmm. so small. I hope it comes to the Cinerama Dome. I hope mm-hmm. at some point there's a revival or something like that. It but... was there, I think, originally, and then and, and then Disney yeah. Disney came along and <laughs> oh, booted it out. That's a whole other thing. Well, <laughs> uh, but we love Star Wars. Star Wars is great. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely like Hateful Eight more than I, I liked The Revenant. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do appreciate The Revenant on just a, just a visual, visual scale. Level. Yeah. I mean, Lubeski's probably going to win his third straight Oscar, and he deserves it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think Ian Uritu can win again? I don't know. I think Lubeski's the the real auteur in that partnership. Okay. <laughs> and I honestly, Ian Uritu's made a lot of really good movies before then. He's pretty established I'm as kind a of, great filmmaker. Kind of, I think. Yeah. No. I mean, I think that. I'm starting to get really, really wary of his subject matter because I think that it was really a fresh entry when I first started watching his movies. And then it seems to be more and more about suffering in a lot of I mean, Birdman was kind of an exception. I mean, I, I didn't like Birdman either, but it, like beautiful, you mm-hmm. know, 21 grams. Like his suffering is a huge, huge thematic bullet point in a lot of his films. And I think this is kind of The Revenant's kind of the worst example of that where it was like in yard or two unchecked for three hours yeah. you know where it was like do what you want man no uh, you all, got this idea go all, for it you just won best picture you know you're you're got all yes men around you like yeah. and you went a little off the rails <laughs> well that'll happen but hopefully but if you've listened to this and you, you haven't listened to the top 10 podcast that it is a postscript for you should go back and listen to that you probably should listen to that one first because these films won't appear on there and the spoil <laughs> will be done. So um, we hope you've enjoyed this little, uh, yeah, little, uh, little, what is it, yeah, tangent? Little, little digression. Yeah, a mini pod, I yeah, guess, as yeah, you will. Pod. So uh, again, uh, for the McShank podcast on MPN, I'm Ryan McCarran. I'm Clayton Shank. Thank you for listening. Woohoo!